This program, of course, is presented by Pro Wrestling Illustrated, the most widely read, widely sold, and respected wrestling magazine in the world today. This is the Pro Wrestling Illustrated Podcast. I'm your host, PWI senior writer Al Castle. Joined, as always, by my co-host, fellow senior writer, Dan Murphy. How are you today, Dan? I'm doing well. Back for PWI podcast number 88. Yes, we were Put just doing some books. math before the show to figure this out. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're coming up we're coming up on 100. So uh, everybody, you know, you've got uh, 12 episodes ahead of, uh, ahead of you to begin planning on, uh, <laughs> you know, anniversary gifts that Al and I could use and, and various things that you could send our way. You know, yes, any, kind of, any kind of kickbacks and uh, graft are greatly appreciated. Don't you already get enough from all the bribes from uh, the PWI 500? Now you're looking for more. We can't talk about that. Come on, that's a different. That's a different thing. <laughs> yeah, I figure we'll be at a hundred. Let's be realistic here. Maybe by the summertime, uh, more or less. We'll see. Yeah, there are weeks. Yeah, things, uh, things pick up around WrestleMania too. We'll yeah. tend to, you know, kind of hit you know a couple in a week and and so on. So yeah, yeah, we were uh, going to get a pretty good clip there for a few weeks, and then I. Uh, Part of it was that I got sick and I got some some flack for the last show for coughing all over the place. So I wanted to wait until I was good and healthy before uh, returning on the mic. So I'm not doing a whole lot of this. <coughs> well, that's just for the one guy who complained about it. So all right. anyhow, we got plenty to cover. Um, first of all, later on, I'm going to be uh, listening to an interview I recorded uh, for a feature that's coming up in this next issue of Pro Wrestling Illustrated. Uh, and it is with... Uh, the the new let me get this right Impact Wrestling uh, I don't even know what to call it I was going to say heavyweight champion but um, actually in the interview he goes into why it's not truly a heavyweight championship um, so tune in for that and I guess we as an organization don't call it a world championship anymore so let's just call it the Impact Wrestling Championship uh, the champion wait, is wait, or, Austin Aries. Or would it be the Impact? Would it be the Impact Sports Entertainment Championship? Can we even no, call it wrestling? No, they're still wrestling, right? I don't. I don't know about right. WWE, but I think they still like uh, calling it wrestling. Anyway, we're going to be talking to Austin Aries and uh, actually talk to him just days after, not the title win, but after it aired on TV. So uh, fresh on on his mind and mine, and we talked a little bit um, about his time in WWE, his departure there, his uh, new venture, his return, really to impact wrestling and um you know i were, were you there for that uh yeah i think you were years ago uh after one of the super eight tournaments that he was a part of this is kind of when he was in between gigs uh left ring of honor didn't have anything really up ahead of him and had even tried out for tough enough and got rejected and i remember uh, we all went out to eat uh in a diner that was in Jersey, but near Philly. I remember UFC was on that night. It was uh, GSP and Jake Shields. And Brady came uh, with Austin, and he was just really, like, in the doldrums, was talking about retiring and hanging it up. And it was right after that, soon after that, that he got a call from uh, what was then TNA. And they gave him, really, the push of his lifetime, put the world title uh, on them, on him. And at the time, it was a world title, uh, uh, as, as we considered it. And so all these years later, returning to Impact, which I, I don't think many people saw on the horizon, including him, um, he, he talks a little bit in the interview about, uh, you know, whether he had some sense of gratitude or loyalty 
to to the company that gave him a chance um, some years ago, and uh, how, if at all, that factored uh, into his decision to return. So, a fun interview. Uh, stay tuned for that. And um, we're going to be talking some some current events here. We got some catching up to do. Uh, we got elimination chamber coming up on uh, Sunday. That might have already passed by the time you're listening to this. And uh, some other odds and ends. There's a two-hour match on, on Raw this past Monday. I think they called it the longest match in the history of Raw and maybe the longest match in WWE history. Um, and uh, some other news, talk of, of the uh, the pay-per-views being dual-branded once again. So we're going to cover all of that. Uh, first, let's quickly touch on the current issue of Pro Wrestling Illustrated. It is the year in wrestling, and it's got AJ Styles on the cover, who is our Wrestler of the Year. And uh, you can pick it up right now at pwi-online.com. You can pick up the one issue or subscribe for uh, deeper savings. Actually, just before we started, I pulled up our, uh, I don't do this too often, the, the subscription page. And uh, here are some of the, the, the basics. You get six issues of the print version for $20.97, or you can get 12 issues for $39.99. That is a big, big discount over the cover price. And uh, you get an even a better deal if you go digital, get the digital version, get six issues for $14.99. And uh, what's more, you get it a lot quicker than waiting for it to come in the mail or arrive at your newsstand. So uh, a fantastic deal. Uh, Dan, I think probably since our last episode here we both finished up our work for this next magazine that's coming up uh can you talk a bit about what you've got in there it is the uh report cards issue uh it is another annual feature that we do and first of all now that since you went over all the subscription information and i know that you're the technical wizard behind the pwi podcast what you ought to do is find a little soundbite of baron von raschke Doing the and that is all the people need to know. And put that in there. <laughs> That'll be do, my challenge. You know, the next one. You got right, it. Subscription information. End it with the you know and that is all the people need to know. And then you know jump right in. So we can add that to the Gordon Soli drop, and we'll have <laughs> left some production values on this thing. Yes, indeed. <laughs> but yeah, the, the report cards is something I oversaw. Um, I do it every year, and uh, basically uh, pick out the top hundred performers and, and grade them A to F. It's a little, I don't want to say tongue-in-cheek, but you look at basically what they've accomplished over the past year, uh, the guys who really stand out and the ones who have underperformed, um, and it can vary tr- tremendously from year to year. You know, somebody, Jinder Mahal, for example, you know, somebody who in previous years we don't even include because he's so far off the radar having a, a banner year in, in 2017. So, uh, yeah, it, it's a, a fun feature and really kind of shows everyone's progress. And I remember years ago, um, you know, you, you, people talk about the PWI 500 that, you know, and, and what wrestlers give us flack or how they react to it. I remember one time, uh, Christopher Daniels came up to me and said, you know, you gave me a C plus in the report cards. Like, well, you know, it wasn't your best year. You didn't have a, you know, whatever. He goes, I've never had a C plus in anything in my life. I've never <laughs> scored. I've never scored lower than a B minus ever in my life. And he was legitimately, I mean, he was pulling my leg, but he was legitimately a little upset about it. So. Um, you know, so hopefully everybody is, is going to be a little bit uh, more uh, understanding with our evaluations than Christopher Daniels was that year. But yeah. uh, that's uh, something I contributed to the upcoming issue. Yeah, what I always say about uh, the 500 and the, the the Achievement Awards, and I think it goes for the report card too, is that they, they're kind of snapshots in time. And that's what makes um, a, a Pro Wrestling Illustrated magazine issue uh, really sort of a keepsake because it's the kind of thing that years later, you know, I've got all my old PWIs and some nice uh, cardboard magazine boxes in my attic. And I've got to admit, I haven't gone through a lot of them in, in a long time. But when you do, 
it it's sort of cool um really kind of uh, taking that time machine back to that time and be like oh yeah i forgot he had a good year or he had a bad year and some guys that you just think of as consistently being uh, great and not having down years um in their runs uh things like the report card will will kind of you know give some historical accuracy there to where they were at and a given helps. time Exactly, where and where you were as a fan too, sure. because you can look through that, especially the current issue, the year-end issue, with all the great photos of the title changes and the awards and everything else. You can pick those up from you know, 1993 is one I'll think of, which is a year where Yokozuna was on top, and it was kind of a weird transitional year before WCW had its up, you mm-hmm. know, it's, it's pulled up again, and and you, you kind of go through things like that and be like, wow, like. I remember this pay-per-view and I remember thinking this pay-per-view is lousy, but I remember all the buddies I watched it with and yeah. all the memories that, you know, of your own life that are often tied with, you know, your wrestling fandom. Uh, that's a great thing that the magazine, the print magazine still has that you lose with, with the internet. The internet yeah. can provide a lot of great data, but to pick one magazine up and look at it after the fact and, and page through it all, whether it's a, 500 a year in review or the report cards it, it's definitely an extra uh, uh, you know bonus yeah yeah and when you get into those you know c and d level guys um that's where it could really be fun to look back because in some cases uh, these guys just came and went they were just you know uh, uh i don't want to say flash in the pans but in some cases they're, they're not guys who hung around too long uh and in other times these were guys who weren't doing a whole lot you know like in gender mahal i wonder when's the last time you we even ranked Jinder Mahal in the uh, the report card, and and if we did, I can't imagine he was higher than a D. Um, he was a D, and he was he was with three man band. He, yeah. he wasn't even a, a standaway. You know, was, we just kind of included them as a group, and I think that was like four or five years earlier. It, it's mentioned in the actual write up. Yeah, so. yeah. So you could really yeah. like kind of track guys' progress. So yeah, it's always a fun project. I got a couple things in this magazine, and I had to, you know, I feel like the turnaround for this one in in particular was. Uh, really quick. So I went from like, oh, I don't have much to do. And then I had a bunch of assignments due um, within the span of uh, two or three days. So I've got my uh, my usual column, the quick counts column. And it's always, uh, I always find kind of fun themes. And this is the uh, one that I do every year, which is uh, the Oscar nominees. So some fun with, uh, you know, what are some of the, the movies in there? The Phantom Thread and The Post and a couple other things. Um, then I've got a Hot Seat Interview uh, pretty extensive. I think this one is like 3,800 words with the uh, Raw Women's Champion, Alexa Bliss. We got to talk uh, at length a couple weeks ago and, and really fun. You know, when I was presented with this opportunity, um, I got to admit, I mean, I wasn't like over the moon about it. I'm, you know, I, I don't know that much about Alexa Bliss. So I did a little research on her, but I was really uh, impressed with her. Uh, and, and I'm always, you know, m- more I'm more easily impressed by uh, what people have to say and how their brains work. Um, over what they can can do in the ring or on TV. And um, <clears throat> yeah, a lot of things she said I, I thought were uh, really mature and intelligent and um, uh, progressive. Uh, we talked about Ronda Rousey. We talked about the challenges of being five foot tall and uh, wrestling a lot of women who are much, much bigger than her. Uh, and a lot. We talked cheerleading and a bunch of other stuff. So a fun interview. And then uh, finally, my feature on Austin Aries, uh, which includes um, some uh, snippets from the interview you will hear later. So again, the thing to do is to go to pwi-online.com and uh, subscribe by the one issue. 
uh, whatever you like. And uh, while you're there, uh, why don't you subscribe to the podcast? You do that on iTunes, uh, or you could just stream it at pwi-online.com. Thanks to our partners at Podbean. We don't mention them much here. Um, you could send us an email here at pwipodcast at outlook.com. Uh, follow us on Twitter at officialpwi. Find us on Facebook and all that good stuff. All right, Dan. Uh, again, lots of kind of odds and ends this week. I don't know where you want to uh, begin. What, what, well, you, you brought it up before the show. Uh, kind of a, a real different episode of Raw this week with a match that went about two hours. Now, not really a, a traditional match in that it was, uh, what do you call it, a gauntlet match. So there were uh, guys moving in and out of the match. And by the time the match ended, the two guys who were involved... Um, had not been in, in the ring all that long a time. But uh, Seth Rollins alone uh, was probably about half that, right? I mean, he probably w- was a good hour in there. Yeah, he was uh, 62 or 63 minutes, I wow. believe, somewhere. Yeah, that, that yeah. so kind of mixed reviews. I mean, I, I think some people, could, you know, who are used to the, the typical pacing of Raw and, you know, segment, commercial, you know, segment, commercial, that kind of thing, promo, uh, we'll see a match go two thirds of the show, and maybe we're a little turned off by it. Um, I think it's cool that they kind of shook things up and, and took a risk and and showcased some guys like Rollins, who I think could factor big into their plans in the coming months, especially with some rumors of um, some some possible I don't know if it'd be legal turmoil, but but some issues with uh, Roman Reigns. Uh, and that that could could put all kinds of things up in the air, and you don't want to kind of go too much on rumors. Uh, but it it looks like Rollins might be a fallback plan, and it works up out for him because he's sort of been freed up. The you know he lost Dean Ambrose as a partner, then he lost uh, what's his name Jason Jordan as a partner. Yes, yeah, so now he kind of finds himself back on his own, and maybe in the position to take that top babyface uh, slot on Raw right coming up on WrestleMania. So. In, in some ways, things lining up just right for him. Uh, so what what did you think of, of the way they handled Raw this past week? I thought it was, I mean, it, it's always good to break the formula every once in a while. Uh, when Raw had its best era uh, in the late 90s, it was, it was must-see TV. You had to watch it because you never knew exactly what was going to happen. And it, it still was formulaic in in that it normally began with a fairly long promo segment and, and everything else and it was, it was live, it was two hours, so things were a little bit more fast-paced than they are now with the three-hour uh, setup. But things have been kind of complacent over the past few years where you can just kind of see a match, you can see you know, somebody goes to the outside, and okay, that's our commercial break, and, and then you come back. and I mean, every week it's the same thing. Um, this was neat because I, I wasn't watching live. I watched it after the fact. And uh, what I noticed was I was on my phone, and I checked out Facebook, and Everybody was talking about Raw. Everybody, because it was just different. And people were mm-hmm. saying, oh, my God, seeing what they're doing. And, and for once, there was – well, not for once, but it's very rare when there's a legitimate buzz about Raw and uh, it was going on. And you know that's great for, for WWE to recognizing it and, and realizing the best way to kind of build up this – basically, you're going into Elimination Chamber, which is kind of a gimmick pay-per-view. It's all about the chamber and the pods and, and the goofy kind of Elimination Chamber match. Um, but it's the down pay-per-view between the Royal Rumble and WrestleMania. And if you're going to skip a pay-per-view, this is the one you're going to skip. You're going to watch the Royal Rumble. You're going to watch WrestleMania. Um, this was a great way to put all of the men in the Elimination Chamber match out there in one match. Let them all shine. 
and make it interesting to see like, okay, who, who's the guy who's going to win this elimination chamber now? You know, is it going to be a guy like Ilias, um, Ilias who, um, had kind of, he pinned Rollins, he eliminated Rollins. Um, and he's kind of the, the up and comer. You've got somebody like Rollins who went 60 plus minutes, who was the iron man of this match. And he had Braun Strowman who won, you know, is he going to kind of protect that spot and, and march right back into WrestleMania, which is what everybody expects. Uh, plus, you know, guys like John Cena, uh, with him cutting a promo saying, you know, I don't even have a match. I, I might be left off the card at WrestleMania, which is kind of ridiculous. But yeah. it's cool for the, the storytelling purpose. And all of a sudden, that match really just kind of opened it up and it, it made it a more compelling bout and I'd say a more uh, sellable pay-per-view. Yeah, yeah. And it is the fact that it was so unconventional uh, that made it buzzworthy. So if you started doing two-hour matches or even hour matches or 45-minute matches all the time on Raw... Um, I think it, it could get to the point where it would become tedious. But uh, it's been so long, really, they never did anything like this, that uh, it, it did create a lot of buzz. The one thing that it, it kind of reminds me of, uh, do you remember back in 2007, was it seven? Yes, when um, uh, Shawn Michaels wrestled John Cena for the title at WrestleMania, uh, the main event in, in Detroit. And there was a lot of high hopes for the that match. in England, I yeah, think, right? Yeah, that's right. And, and the, the WrestleMania main event actually disappointed a little bit. It wasn't, uh, uh, it didn't really, I think, deliver to expectations. But some weeks later in the, um, the, the, the tour of the UK, they had a Raw where they went an hour. And it was not an Iron Man match or anything like that. I think they went like 56 minutes and it was a fantastic match. And it's the same kind of thing. I mean, it was just kind of out of nowhere, really novel. That's what this reminds me of. Uh, but again, you got to go back 10 years for, for that. So I'm not saying that it's got to be another 10 years uh, from now, but um, you, you, there is something to be said, about, you know, for, for as much as we complain about the raw formula, some of it is by necessity. And I, I do think you want to be careful of straying from it too much, um, too often. But that said, you know, one of the upsides of, of the three hour raw, which to this day, I think is, is way, way too long, is that you could do a two-hour match and still have an hour left to to serve all the other masters you've got to serve uh, on on Raw. Um, as as for Elimination Chamber, yeah, I agree. Uh, you know, not a lot of buzz uh, on it. And and what's interesting, and maybe this is a, a a good thing. And it's funny we talk about all like the milestones um, in in the uh, the women's revolution in WWE. And whether it was the Women's Royal Rumble or the first Women's Money in the Bank or the first Women's Hell in the Cell, there's always so much kind of uh, anticipation and, and, and newsworthiness attached to it. Nobody's really talking about the first Women's Elimination Chamber. Uh, and again, maybe that's a good thing. Maybe it's, it, you know, this stops becoming such a surprise. It's such a kind of a spectacle that women are part of something that are a big deal. It's just sort of like, yeah, of course. Why wouldn't they have an Elimination Chamber? Well, and the women actually technically main evented Raw this week. Sure. I mean, they yeah. went on the main event spot. Everybody talks about the gauntlet match because it was clearly the the main focus of the show uh, with the amount of time that was dedicated to it and everything else. But the women went on and was traditionally the main event spot. And again, because it's not the first time, not the second time it's happened, it's no longer necessarily newsworthy. It's just something that's, you know, we're in 2018 and the women can headline Raw. They can headline a pay-per-view. And uh, certainly, you know, they, they, they deserve a, a, an opportunity to 
uh, compete in the same types of matches as the men do, and the Elimination Chamber is is one of those. Yeah, yeah. We don't do a whole lot of uh, uh, predictions here, but in as much as what comes out of uh, Elimination Chamber this Sunday is going to factor heavily into what we see at WrestleMania, how do you see it going down in the two big matches, the, the, the men's uh, match that is going to decide the challenger for uh, the Universal Championship against Brock Lesnar at Mania, and... Uh, on the women's side, I guess it's the actual title on the line. So it's a matter of whether uh, Alexa goes into uh, WrestleMania as champion or not, and then figuring out who she wrestles. Asuka won the Rumble, but hasn't picked who, what title she will go after. So how do you kind of see that all shaking out? Well, with the women's picture, I, I don't know. I, I really I, I couldn't tell you, you where they're they trying to put this. You know, I don't think they do necessarily because I, the match that I think WWE wants, and it's been rumored and everything, it's not like it's a secret, but is have some kind of combination of uh, The Rock and Ronda Rousey against Stephanie McMahon and Triple H and, and have all that star power for the intergender kind of match. Um, for me, I think it's a terrible waste of Ronda Rousey. I, I don't think that Stephanie McMahon should be a wrestler, you know, but, it, you know, who's, who's going to tell her no, you know, she's Vince McMahon's daughter. Vince McMahon wanted to wrestle stone cold. And, you know, luckily McMahon never did wrestle stone cold as a featured match at WrestleMania. He, he at least knew his limitations well enough to avoid that, but whether his daughter will do the same thing, I don't know. I would love to see with the women's division, you have an Asuka against Ronda Rousey. I think that'll be amazing. Maybe Asuka against Charlotte and Ronda as a secondary women's match. Uh, against Alexa or whatever the case may be. Um, but I don't think that they necessarily know. And um, I, I think that they'll probably, I would th- expect them to keep the title on Bliss for right now, um, you know, only because, really only because she's had it for so long and there's been nothing to really build up to take it away from her quite yet. Um, you know, there's a lot of different ways they could go with it and that's why I'm not positive. But if I had take a, a, a stand, I would say Alexa Bliss somehow, um, you know, against all odds, retaining her title and going on to WrestleMania. Yeah. Uh, the men's, uh, I would go with really, you know, uh, Braun Strowman. I mean, I think Strowman has got to be the guy who wins. So you um, think they're, they're setting up Braun and Brock at WrestleMania? I think so. Mm-hmm. Um, again, it's not the match I'd necessarily want to see, but it makes sense over the past six months of, of build for Braun and, and, and Brock. And it's, you know, two bigger than life personalities on that stage. And if they do have some other tricks up their sleeve, be it the rock or a really intriguing Cena match, say Cena against undertaker uh, or, or whatever else they might have, then there's not as much pressure as, as Strowman and Lesnar or Ronda Rousey or whoever to carry the show. Uh, they may have other stuff that that hasn't come out yet that that could take that kind of high level main event, high exposure spot and carry things, and you know then you can have kind of lesser matches here and there. Uh, yeah. Like you said, though, Rollins being groomed, I think it's a much better story to see Seth Rollins go against uh, Brock Lesnar and and do you know underdog and, and big man and and really just see what he can do, or even a, a compelling story. I almost kind of hate to say it, but, you know, John Cena, you know, he, he never really got his big win after being dominated by Brock Lesnar three years ago. You know, it, it's time for him to come back and win that 17th title and, 
you know, kind of kayfabe break the Ric Flair record and, and finally, you know, ha- have something different. Yeah. Um, but again, I think that all the, the stars right now are aligned for Strowman. I do think it, it's a good problem to have, as, as you just laid out, that they actually have a number of pretty viable options for a challenger for Brock Lesnar uh, at WrestleMania, because none of the matches you laid out, I think, uh, would would be disappointments, not in terms of the execution, but in terms of um, uh, a hype for a WrestleMania uh, main event. I think uh, they'd all be fine. I do think some things are up in the air right now, and maybe that's why you do sense a little hedging. Uh, for one, The Rock, as you mentioned, right? I, I don't know how realistic that is. Um, is there a backup plan uh, to that? Uh, I don't think we're getting Ronda Rousey and either of the women's uh, champions. And we'll have a better picture of that after Sunday, too, because it could be that we get the big angle with, with Ronda, with, with her signing the contract. Maybe we'll get uh, more clarity there on what they're doing with her. But um, what what is sort of out there as the, the, the lineup that everybody is looking at, and I think it makes sense, um, a couple things. One is uh, Alexa retaining and defending against Nia Jax, who is going to wrestle Asuka uh, on Sunday. And they've had that storyline kind of uh, brewing for a while between uh, Nia and uh, Alexa, on again, off again, friends, that kind of thing. That, to me, right. would be, you know, a pre-show match, something like that. I mean, not not a marquee match, but something to have the, the Raw Women's title um, in there. Uh, I think they want to do and have been building towards a Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar. And so as of, of the moment, I think Roman Reigns would be the favorite to win the Elimination Chamber. Uh, but as I alluded, alluded to, there's kind of an X factor here. And uh, again, for, for people who don't know that there there's um, uh, how does this there's like a gym owner. Allegations. Or something. Yes, yeah. there are allegations that. Uh, uh, Roman Reigns might be involved in uh, uh, obtaining some performance-enhancing drugs. Uh, he has denied them. WWE has denied them on his behalf. The person at the center of this is saying that he's got evidence that he's going to bring forward that is would incriminate uh, Roman Reigns. I don't know how WWE handles that. I mean, it'd be one thing if they were actual criminal charges against him. If they're just allegations and if he hasn't popped for anything... Um, I don't know that they would have to do anything, but maybe they would be proactive uh, in in doing something. And maybe it's not necessarily take suspending him or, or anything like that, but maybe you move him down the card and you second-guess putting him in the top spot, especially if the plan was to put the title on him. If you don't know you know, what becomes of, of Roman in a month, two months, three months, maybe you're gun-shy about putting your, your most important title on the guy. Uh, and you don't know what his future is. So maybe we see him in uh, a lesser of a role at WrestleMania. And again, maybe the swap there, Seth Rollins, who finds himself without a whole lot to do at WrestleMania and kind of available. And I think it's fair to say pretty over at the as over as he has been in, in a while. Um, in, in retrospect, I think it was a good idea to put him on the cover of the, uh, the video game, which at the time people were like, really, Seth Rollins on the cover of the video game? Uh, but I, I think that there is a, a generation of fan, an age of fan that uh, looks at Seth Rollins and he's kind of cool, right? I mean, he's got the exciting wrestling style, the exciting look, the music, all that stuff. So uh, it could be a good time to, to strike while the iron is hot. 
Finn Balor is also in that mix. I don't see him as as a uh, a top guy at a WrestleMania, uh, but he finds himself without a whole lot. Also, <coughs> does he maybe get paired with Roman Reigns? I don't know. Um, and then uh, uh, kind of rounding out the the, the whole picture, uh, I think I see Asuka and Charlotte her her going for the SmackDown title, uh, kind of shaking things up, and something else for Ronda Rousey. Yes, I guess the the word is that they wanted. Ronda Rock versus Triple H and Stephanie. The one thing is I had also heard along the way that they wanted to do Triple H and Kurt Angle, right? So do they kind of split the difference and do Ronda and Kurt versus Triple H and Stephanie? I don't love that, you know, um, but maybe it's a way to kind of protect Everybody, I mean, you've got four people in that match. None of them are, are, are close to full-time pro wrestlers. Uh, the one who's probably the most active is Kurt, uh, who has wrestled whatever, a handful of matches in WWE over the last year. Uh, so maybe that's a way that nobody has to do a whole lot and you get a lot of star power in one match. So maybe that's what they're thinking. Yeah, I mean, and again, that would be great. It, you know, it, it, it depends on how it's positioned. If you put that in as a mid-card match, I, I mean, Triple H but against Ronda, Sting, I, mean, I, I know. Yeah. But Triple H versus Sting was by no means a classic, and luckily it didn't go on in the final spot because the match itself was terrible. I mean, it was all smoke and mirrors. It was run-ins. It was just it, whatever. But if you're going to have a match like that, just have the marquee names out there and, and do it, then then put it in the mid-card where it belongs. Um, but are you going to take Ronda Rousey and, and waste her in kind of a mid-card throwaway match? You know, especially when you have the egos of somebody like Triple H and Stephanie and everything else, and their egos are, are very well-known and everything. I mean, are they going to want to take a step down and be, be seen as the mid-card? Um, you know, and, and that's the thing that bothers me. I, I don't want to see this become a... I don't want to see a lesser match promoted as the main draw when you have arguably as stacked a lineup as WWE has had in a generation uh, to call on. And, and, and really, I mean, there are... Plenty of dream matches you could have. Uh, like you said, I, I can't believe I totally forgot about Finn Balor. We didn't even mention that Miz is in the, the match either. I mean, neither is really yeah. apparently so much. There's some talk, I guess, of, of uh, <coughs> excuse me, there we go, uh, Miz and uh, Braun Strowman maybe working together at Mania. Yeah, but I mean, you got guys like Samoa Joe and, uh-huh. and all these other guys who are available. And, and you can, you know, I mean, there's so many matches that you can make. And if they kind of have to make room for you know, uh, a part-timer, a retired guy, a non-wrestler, and an MMA fighter making her real debut. I mean, that's, that's you know, that's inexcusable. But there's always... Regardless of names are. There, there's always, like, uh, or almost always, a spectacle match at, at WrestleMania. You mentioned uh, uh, Sting and, and Triple H. Remember yeah. uh, Mayweather and Big Show uh, years ago? And in most cases, they don't put them in the main event spot. They do stick them somewhere in the mid card. They do the smoke and mirrors. So I I can see this going somewhere in the middle of the show and being filled with smoke and mirrors. uh, And, and I, you know, given the fact that I can't, and this is no slide on her, but the reality is Rhonda can't be very good right now. Right. I mean, she is months into this. I, I would really disagree with that. I mean, combat sports are combat sports. You learn a lot of the basics. She may not have the footwork, but there was a video that was released today that I saw. Well, I don't know. Maybe it came out earlier. But it was her in the ring going over a few things with Shayna Baszler. Did you happen to catch that I didn't, at all? no. I know they showed something on Raw. I don't know if it's the same thing. I, I didn't see it, though. Not sure, but 
She did a thing where uh, Shayna hit her with two shoulder blocks in the corner. Pretty basic sequence, really. Shayna kind of came back, ran at her. Ronda jumped up, kind of leapfrogged her over. And then she just hit this gorgeous Fujiwara, Fujiwara armbar coming off the top, like rolling through with it. And it looked spectacular. I mean, it's something that I could see Asuka doing, but I don't see any other woman in WWE executing the move as fluidly and gracefully as she did. And that's a couple weeks into training. It's one I mean, thing to do it, though, in, in that atmosphere, performance center, training, essentially. Uh, an, another thing to do it on the biggest stage there is in front of, you know, and again, Ronda's no, no stranger to performing in front of big crowds uh, right. also. But this is different. I mean, you, you've got to think that there are going to be some nerves there. Uh, and we saw the nerves at the Royal Rumble. We talked about it in the last podcast and that kind of nervous, awkward smile, titter. You know, she was clearly not totally comfortable in, in that first appearance. And she wasn't even asked to do much. Uh, now she'll have to wrestle a, a full-fledged match. So I think that'll actually help the nerves. Is once so? she has, yeah, once the she's in motion, she's not posing, standing kind of awkwardly doing photo ops. And she's able to think about, you know, being in motion and doing her thing. I think that'll help the nerves a lot. I mean, as much as you can in front of 70,000 plus people, you know, but um, I I think that she'll be uh, when she does get in the ring. I expect her to really knock people's socks off. I think she's going to be fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, the big picture is it it is shaping up to be a, a very good WrestleMania. I mean, you look at what we know now and um there's a lot of things to, to look forward to. I mean, we haven't even mentioned AJ Styles and Nakamura, uh, yeah. which is kind of a dream That's a, a match dream of the year match. right yeah. there. Yeah. And Central you touched on it. You know, the other match that's being talked about a lot is uh, John Cena and The Undertaker. And I do think that they've been subtly kind of sowing the seeds, whether it was The Undertaker sort of officially announcing his retirement on Raw some weeks back. John Cena every week talking about not having a, a, a path to WrestleMania. You got to think he he doesn't win on uh, Sunday night at the Elimination Chamber. And then you got to kind of manufacture, well, what can the biggest star in wrestling do at the biggest show in wrestling that is is worthy, right? Um, And then you pull this out of your hat and it's gigantic. I mean, that is as big a match as you could do. Uh, So, yeah, I think a a lot to look forward to. The one thing that, that worries me, and again, a good problem to have, is... Um, and we'll touch on the brand split in, in a moment, but one of the products of the brand split is that WWE has a, a really loaded roster, not not necessarily in terms of quanti- quality, but quantity. They have a lot of people who work for them right now and a lot of people to get on that show. <coughs> and it used to be, um, you know, people were left off that show. And um, in, in recent years, they, they tried to do less of that. And so they've got, you know, the Battle Royal and... Uh, six-way women's match and an eight-way tag match and what have you. Um, I don't know how you get everybody on, on the show this year without sacrificing a lot. You know, I mean, if if you want to have the marquee one-on-one matches that, that mean a lot, the Nakamura styles or, you know, uh, Charlotte and Asuka, uh, the, the, the one-on-one matches with real marquee value, you, you can't do a bunch of multi-person matches. Uh, and if you're not doing those, I mean, the, the point is, I don't know how you get all those people on the show. Well, some people just get I mean, left off. At, well, look at everybody from 205 Live. Yeah. I mean, those are guys that if they went to uh, 
the majority, I won't say the majority, but a lot of them, if they went to Impact, if they went to Evolve, if they went to Progress, if they went to Pro Wrestling Guerrilla, those are main event guys. Yeah. I mean, almost all of them. And, you know, they might be lucky to get a eight man scramble uh, of some sort on the WrestleMania pre show. I don't even um, know if they'll do that. Yeah. I mean, I think there's yeah. going to be one Cruiserweight match, it's going to be the finals of the tournament. Um, and everybody else, who knows? I mean, maybe some of them end up on the, uh, in the, the, the battle Royal. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of a shame, but I mean, it's, it's a good thing for WWE. Mm -hmm. It's a good problem for WWE to have because you're going to do an NXT takeover the night before you're going to do other events and these guys are going to be able to, you know, you've got enough bodies to run four or five shows over the course of that weekend. If, if you need to, or, or whatever you need to do. Um, it's just that you're not going to be able to give, there's not enough spotlight to fit everybody at WrestleMania, you know, yeah. and that's just the reality of it, and, which and, actually real quick, I forgot. I in, included this in the, the, uh, upcoming edition of PWI, uh, with the report cards I mentioned, I do have a story about, um, kind of on this line, uh, people who competed at WrestleMania that oh, you may have right, forgotten yeah. of and, uh, people who, uh, have never gone there, you know, they went their entire career without competing at WrestleMania. So kind of uh, 10 of each and, you know, a really kind of cool story to go through and, and see people who did compete like once in one of those multiple man scrambles. You're like, oh, my God, I forgot that this guy competed at a WrestleMania or how has this guy been around WWE? Like, for example, Lance Storm. Lance Storm never wrestled at a WrestleMania. Yeah. Wow. Wow. How can you, you have a career that long and never have uh, and been in WWE for a number of years? And, and exactly. Just kind of, yeah. 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 Yeah, I remember when we were exchanging the emails discussing the idea of, of that story, and I, and I really liked it. And it was fun just kind of looking at, for some guys that, that fit the bill. Uh, so, yeah, one, one of the challenges and the cool things of putting this issue together every year are, are pre-WrestleMania issues because the turnaround time. We need to do something for the magazine that is, is timely for WrestleMania, but we don't know anything about WrestleMania by the time we're putting the magazine. So it's got to be kind of evergreen, and every year it kind of becomes – it's a challenge, but a fun challenge to figure out what can we say about WrestleMania. And, and you had the winning idea this year. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Winner, so, winner, chicken dinner. <laughs> <laughs> so I touched upon it uh, uh, quickly, and, and I don't want to spend too much time on it, but uh, uh, another uh, uh, bit of news coming over the last week is talk of uh, a little bit of a shakeup in the, the pay-per-view, even though they're not truly pay-per-view, the, the network specials, Sunday night specials. Uh, going back to being dual branded. So about a year after they took this on, has it been that or maybe a little bit longer? Well, whatever it is. Um, there were than that, I think. Because, I mean, I remember us debating the, the brand split. Yeah. And I think you were really in favor of it and I, I was opposed to it. And I think that it, it just feels like we're back in the same place as we were in the beginning. You know, yeah. they, they did that brand split before. They did brand specific pay-per-views. They That's went exactly back. the way it went, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and it's just such a like you know it's it's hard to get excited about brand splits or or autonomy of brands when it always kind of seems to come back to whatever suits WWE's purpose you know on a given month. Yeah, so they're going back to uh, the dual branded uh, pay per view. So every pay per view is going to feature stars from um, both sides. I've heard some explanations that on surface level make some sense, and I guess one of the concerns is. Uh, when you, when you alternate pay-per-views on uh, one brand is always waiting a long time to get on pay-per-view so you really have to stretch out the storylines I've always thought that was a good thing not a bad thing because it it lets you rotate some guys 
um, into main event programs, even world title programs for a few weeks for payoffs on television. Maybe guys who wouldn't merit a, um, a, a pay-per-view main event, you could have them challenge for the, the world, you know, build for weeks for a world title match on free TV um, and then rotate them out and start building toward your pay-per-view. So I never saw it as a problem. I'm disappointed that they're giving up this easily because as, as you touched on, this in and of itself isn't necessarily that bad a thing, but, you know, it it is it could be a precursor to really abandoning the whole thing. And this is sort of what happened the first time around. This was the first step. Well, let's go back to combining them for pay-per-views. Well, would there really be a harm in having some guys from SmackDown show up on Raw every once in a while? Right, you have the super shows. Yeah, yeah, super shows. And then before you know it, you know, forget it. The, the, the brand splits out the window. They've already kind of done that with John Cena being able to bounce back from the two shows. So uh, I'm down on it. I'm disappointed to see them uh, go this way. I, I think it's going to result in one of the world titles. And clearly it's going to be the SmackDown world title really taking a hit like it did the last time when, you know, Alberto Del Rio with the so-called World Heavyweight Championship was opening up shows uh, on pay-per-view every month in in the the opener uh you know if you got an aj styles defending wwe championship and then you got brock lesnar later on the show which of those two is going to be treated as the main event you know i, I uh yeah i really worry for for what can come out of this yeah same thing uh, but again i think that i was opposed to the brand split and, and still kind of am uh, i mean i i just don't like the idea of two competing you know because the, the thing is i, I think if you think back for me growing up, there was, uh, the territories, I was still, uh, became a fan when the territories are still going strong. But then after the territory era, you had kind of WWE and Jim Crockett promotions or the NWA and, and later WCW. You always had these, at least two groups where you're like, man, I just wish they were all on one roster. So we could just see like these dream matches. So we could just see these things happen and have one universally recognized world champion and everything else. And, and WWE finally did that. Like, they finally have, okay, this is it. This is the one roster. These guys on this roster are the best in the world, and this is our one champion, and, and anything can happen. Anyone on the roster can challenge for that title. And they still find ways to kind of split it and segment it and everything else. And I know it's a way to try to build new stars and let other people kind of come up, but if you're only building new stars to get to a certain level, because they're not going to... if. When you when you separate the two brands, you dilute both brands, and you can become a big star on one brand. But being a one, you're a, a big fish in a smaller pond, as opposed to becoming a medium sized fish in the one big pond. And that's why I think that the brand extension has never really worked or never really clicked for me, and why I think that they just keep on abandoning it every time they uh, they really kind of you know, try to go down this road. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a way to make it work. I mean, I don't disagree with you, but, but, uh, it, it's, it's almost kind of a cynical view, but a, a realistic view. I mean, I just, I hold out hope that they get it right, but, um, they just haven't shown really the, the, the patience and sort of the efficiency, uh, to do what needs to be done. So, uh, it's too bad. Uh, so we'll see, hopefully everything works out. All right, Dan, we're about the uh, 42-minute mark here and uh, still want to hear from uh, Austin Aries. Thank you so much. Uh, next time we're talking, we'll probably be talking more about WrestleMania, having a clearer picture of what's coming up at the big show. Uh, until then, thank you, Dan. Hey, thank you. I'm going to be out this weekend heading out to uh, Femme Fatales up in Ottawa for a women's wrestling show and 
and checking out Mar um, uh, Mercedes Martinez up against uh, Vanessa Craven for the Femme Fatales title. So uh, I'll, I'll report back on that as well. I'll let you know how things went out up in uh, the Great White North uh, when we return for the next podcast, which would be number 89. That's right. Yes. And, well, and I am reminded you got something else to plug that is really out of left field that you uh, oh. put together for Kappa magazines. And it actually has nothing to do with, <laughs> with wrestling. But, I, but when I went on the, uh, the website, I saw it up there. Yeah, yeah, the it, it's the royal wedding issue. Uh, it's uh, Kappa. <laughs> you made me in addition to wrestling magazines, and uh, I mean Kappa also does a, a variety of games magazine, crossword puzzles, and, and things like that. Um, but they'll occasionally do these little one-offs of um, you know topical interest stories, and uh, they wanted to do one about the royal wedding with uh, Prince Harry and Meghan uh, Markle, and. Uh, they tapped me to do a couple stories, so yeah, there we go. I'm, yep. I'm a jack of all trades. <laughs> and it's right there, right, about <laughs> right there at pwi-online.com yeah. in between AJ Styles and Braun Strowman is uh, the, the royal couple. Uh, <laughs> That's awesome. Yep, featuring article by our own uh, Dan Murphy, and, and I think some other guys from the magazine contributed, right? I think Harry was in on it. Uh, a few other people well, I don't gotta know. you got to have Harry just because of the name. Oh, Harry, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Our own Prince Harry. Prince, Prince Harry Birkin. <laughs> yes. All right. So check that out. And uh, for the moment, let's check out my interview with the new Impact Wrestling champion, Austin Aries. I think last time we talked was, was I think it was the day before it was announced that you were uh, leaving WWE. Uh, ah. so, <clears throat> yeah, I went back and listened to that interview right afterwards. I remember and kind of looking for, for signs there. And now we're talking, obviously, it's, it's another uh, big milestone with uh, your return to Impact Wrestling. And just last night, your championship win um, aired. So I want to talk a bit about that. <clears throat> uh, so why don't we, we start there? I, I, you know, you touched on it in, in your return. You've been all over the world. Uh, now wrestled on the biggest stage there is, right? Uh, WrestleMania for WWE. Uh, yeah. One of the titles. How does this uh, measure up? Being, being back in Impact and winning the title again. How does that measure up with some of the milestones in your career? Um, well, you know, I, I just—I I actually, I just put a tweet out because uh, I realized that in uh, in promoting the places that I'm working right now, I had I had retweeted and promoted four different companies right in a row, and uh, and all companies that are that are trying to do good things, carve their own niche, but also work together. Uh, and it was, you know, obviously Impact Wrestling. It was, you know. Uh, Big surprise, you know, to a lot of people, even maybe to myself a little bit, you know, kind of going back there. Um, I didn't really have a lot of a lot of thought of, of returning there, but but so many things changed, and um, you know, situations changed, and opportunity opened up. And um, the nice thing about it is, you know, I get to go back in there and be myself, and I don't really have any restrictions on what I can do anywhere else. You know, they're really trying to work. They're trying to really work with all the different promotions and companies in pro wrestling. Same thing that House of Hardcore is doing. Um, they're doing for uh, MLW here next week. Um, everybody wants to play together and uh, and try to build something big because right now, like there's a really there's like a really vibrant wrestling scene, right? Like there's a good energy and, and um, a good a good fan base in in this country and internationally. And uh, so it's kind of a really cool time to be an independent professional wrestler and um, especially someone like me who really values. Uh, you know, the creative, the, the creative part of it, uh, and enjoying my life too outside of this, you know? And, um, so yeah, man, I was excited to come back there. You know, uh, I don't, I would have come back if, if things weren't, if I didn't think things were really different. Cause I've been there 
a long time through different regime changes. And the conversations I had with Scott, uh, with Sanjay, with Don, and what their vision is and how they want to go about doing their business and how they want to go about treating the talent, that to me is what made the difference. And then obviously to come in there and be put right in a position to make a difference and make a statement, obviously, you know, professionally, uh, for me is a great opportunity. So um, everything everything lined up, and, and I'm happy to uh, to go in there because there's a lot of work to do. Nobody's, nobody uh, has any um, allusions to the, to the kind of work that has to go in to repair that brand and that company and the steps that need to be taken. And to, to be able to go in there and help in that uh, was, was a great opportunity, and I'm really excited. Do you feel that pressure to uh, be part of uh, those repairs that need to be made? I mean, do you, do you see it as, you know, they're just another booker that's paying me, and I'm going to go there and I'm going to do my thing and, and uh, uh, do the acts that they're paying me to do? Or do you see uh, it as part of uh, this rebuilding? I mean, if I if I had that mentality that this is just another booker who just pays me and I go take their money, I probably, I probably would have had more success in my stops along the way. I think anybody that knows me knows I'm pretty passionate. I care about this. And, uh, and, and I'm not afraid to kind of, you know, voice my opinion. Uh, and so do I feel a sense of responsibility uh, for my part in it, right, what I can do to help? But, but that being said, um, you know, you know I, don't, I don't feel like it's, you know, I, I want to help this place as much as I want to help uh, House of Hardcore, as much as I want to go help. IPWK, World Series Wrestling, you know, uh, Defiant. Um, I, w- I want to help all these places, like the places that are trying to do things the right way uh, and, and, uh, and are being successful and have the right, you know, uh, mindset. You know, I think that I want to go in there and, and help how I can and, that, and, 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 and be careful not to overstep my bounds. I'll offer my, I'll offer my uh, services. I'll offer my, my opinion. Um, I'll offer my advice, uh, sometimes even unsolicited. Which uh, you know, uh, people could take or leave. But but at the end of the day, that's all it is. And and um, I, I don't run this. I'm not in control. I'm not a decision maker. But I can be part of the think tank that goes in there, going, hey, like this is yeah, like that's how we should be doing things. Like I like I like the I like the forward thinking that's going on right now in the wrestling industry as far as changing it. And and you know, it's funny that somehow in this country where we where we we review our, our independence. And our freedom and independence is supposed to be such a great thing. Somewhere along the way, when it came to pro wrestling, somehow being independent was looked at as a bad thing or less than or not up to, not up to par. Uh, and it's kind of funny because as you look around and you look at all the successful independent pro wrestlers who also have the value of independence, which I think everybody who goes worse than 9 to 5 and is beholden to the man would, would love some independence. You don't go out and do that, and there's a thriving scene where guys can go do that, uh, and, and to be like one of the people that can help push that forward. Uh, that, that's pretty cool, and that and that's the sense of responsibility I feel across the board, not to just any one company. It is the the trade off for that though that that feeling of independence, losing the infrastructure, that kind of support infrastructure, and I know Impact being televised and having a, a a pretty major company behind it maybe has more of that than than some of the other places you're working. But going from WWE, where you have uh, as big an infrastructure uh, as, as you can supporting you in terms of travel and, you know, catering and, and everything else, mm-hmm. um, to really, you know, truly being an independent contractor, uh, again, is, is there some, some trade-off there and something that you miss? Uh, oh, there's always trade-off. It just comes down to, I think, what you value, right? Um, 
you know, for me, you know, when I'm going to go to Australia and New Zealand here next month, um, I'm going to get to spend as many days as I want to vacation around that trip and enjoy going over to these places. I value that. And some, and some other people might want, might, might value a different lifestyle. So there's trade-offs, but when you weigh it out, you go, well, is it worth, is it worth going and not knowing? And, and listen, here, here's the other thing, man. Like a lot of these places, like they're stepping up and I'm not going to work in places that aren't trying to do it the right way. And I say do it the right way is when I come in, uh, you know, and I just went and wrestled Pete Dunn, first time he had an impact champion versus a WWE champion. Then they created a buzz, which is cool, right? Like that's good for wrestling across the board. But like, Hey, like there, there, there was some food there for, for everyone to eat. You know, was it was it your WWE level catering? Of course not, but it was people trying to do it the right way, trying to take care of the talent. You know, and um, and there's more money out there to be made, not just for for the wrestlers, but for the promoters too. So it gives them more more leeway. And you're seeing the smart promoters are getting ahead, and that's where the talent's going to work. And the ones who aren't doing it the right way, uh, you know, the ones that you know the old days. You know, I won't say the old days now. I guess it is because I've been doing this 17 years. But yeah. They're still your promoters, and when you get there, they go, well, I don't have the trans, or, yeah, there's, you know, I mean, there's, but, but we're going to start weeding those guys out, and the creams rise at the top. Now there's this network of all these kind of well-run promotions in all these different places, not only here in the States, but especially internationally. There's a great network for guys to go out there and make a good living right now. Not just a living, but a good living, and that's the difference. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you feel any sense of, of, of loyalty or kinship to Impact because, um, I think we talked about it when I interviewed you last. When they brought you in uh, last time, the first time, you were kind of at a low point, right? I mean, you, you were questioning sure. whether you wanted to do this anymore and, um, you know, maybe maybe not feeling terribly valued in other places where you had worked. They brought you in, pushed you pretty hard, put the world title on you, um, you know, built a lot of their TV around you. And this is a time where they had a considerably uh, bigger audience than they have now. So. Sure. Uh, does, does that carry something with you all these years later, or do you view it as really a totally different company now than it was then? No, I, I, I mean, I, I have a sense. I'm, I'm a pretty loyal person, right? Uh, I'll, always, I'll always be grateful and loyal to, to, you know, Ring of Honor and, you know, Gabe Sapolsky for giving me the opportunity. I'll always be grateful to, you know, TNA, which is now Impact Wrestling, and the people that were there at the time. And there's some people that are still there that are part of it. Uh, and these people that are, that are now – in charge, you know, are, are guys that I've worked with in different facets over the years too. So, um, so yeah, like to help that, to help companies, it's, it's, of course, I feel a sense of loyalty to that. And that's why, that's why I returned because again, um, it wasn't necessarily something in the cards or something I was really angling or aiming to do. Um, we had some initial discussions and, and thought that maybe it wasn't fit, but, but again, there was a lot of changeover going on, right? There's a lot of things going on behind the scenes that was, Still kind of getting settled and, and kind of once the dust, the dust settled and they had their team in place and I was able to hear like what they, what they want to do and, and, and the vision they have and the understanding of the work that's going to go into uh, repairing that company, um, then I could get on board and go, all right, right now where I'm at in my career, I'm doing some cool things and if I can come in here and keep doing cool things in places I want to work unilaterally with everybody else, you know, uh, that's cool, right? Like that that's something I want to take advantage of and, and help massage, so yeah. to speak. Yeah. Hearing that be the, the great massager. Maybe that's maybe that's one of my new monikers. The great <laughs> the great massager. Yeah. I'm gonna start calling myself the bridge. You know? Yeah. Here's this here's a guy here's the guy who a lot of people say has burned all these bridges, but yet all of a sudden I'm out here kind of extending hands and trying to, you know, 
be be someone who can uh, go be a go-between for all these companies to kind of work yeah. together, at least at least push that idea, right? Yeah. Is that bridge burnt with WWE? I mean, now that you've got some time to look back on it, uh, can you talk a bit about the terms under which you left, or are there hard feelings there? Um, I mean, it's not burnt as far as I'm concerned. They just didn't have anything for me creatively. If there was anything more to it than that, um, I was, you know, I was never told. So I just have to go with what I was told, right? Um, yeah. Otherwise, it's just speculation and hearsay and rumors, and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna get into that. So, no, listen, uh, I think we've all seen over the years, man. Like, it's really hard to torture bridge almost anywhere in this industry, right? Uh, guys have done some, guys have done some pretty bad things, uh, have said some pretty bad things, and have somehow found their way back. Um, you know. I don't think that was the case at all in this situation, uh, at least on my end. Um, so who knows? I got, I got, you know, if I decide I want to keep, you know, uh, applying myself and keep, keeping the wrestling industry into my fifties, into my sixties, once my wrestling days are done, uh, you know, I'd like to think there'd be an opportunity there. Um, I really enjoyed the commentary role there. Uh, I enjoyed learning about it. Um, and, uh, so, so who knows, you know, or they're, they're, listen, as you said, that's a huge, corporate machine. There's a lot of roles that need to be filled. Um, you know, I'd like to think that later in my life and later in my career that I would certainly be qualified to fill one of those roles if I, if I so choose. Yeah, yeah. So so a, a young wrestler getting started uh, in a uh, line of work, uh, I, I don't know if it was the case with you, but often the dream is to go work for WWE. Right? That's, that's the major league, and, and I guess even a higher dream from that is one day you know, wrestle at WrestleMania for WWE, and you hear folks say that all the time. You you having um, accomplished that and now kind of put that in, in the past, looking back on it, uh, and again, not knowing whether that was particularly your dream or not, but was it all it was cracked up to be? Was it uh, a, a little disappointing in the end? Uh, how, how do you look back? Yeah. No, it wasn't disappointing at all. It was, it was uh, listen, when you watch, you can't, as a performer, right? Like you can't uh, explain to somebody what it's like to step out uh, on that stage at WrestleMania, right? It, it, you know, in, in a lot of ways, it'd be like trying to tell a ball player what it's like to go out, you know, step out of Yankee Stadium or Wrigley Field. You know, a guy that's been, you know, yeah, sort of, sort of speak on the in the minors, as some people want to look at it, right? And now they're now they're finally at the big show and they step out on the big stage. Um, so, like, you can't duplicate that, and that's something that's special and that, yeah, a lot of guys work their whole career for. Um, that was never my dream. Uh, my dream was never to be a WWE superstar. You know, I grew up watching pro wrestling, and when I broke in, there was other pro wrestling companies that were still very much relevant, you know, and that. And so, like, that in and of itself wasn't my dream. My dream was to, to be a pro wrestler for a living. I want to be able to quit my job waiting tables <laughs> and I want to say I'm, I'm a pro wrestler. And so I've accomplished that now for, for, you know, a decade plus. And, and I'm very, and I'm very grateful. Uh, everything that's done for me, just as I'm grateful that I had the opportunity to go to WWE to, to learn, to have that experience. Obviously it raised my brand, it raised my stock, you know, and, and the bill to step out of WrestleMania is now something that I always will have. And, uh, and, and for a long time, didn't really think that was something that would, was really a possibility, you know. Uh, a lot over the years when I would try to have conversations or conversations were had, it was you're too small or you're too old or it's just not what we're looking for right now. You know, so at a certain point, I kind of reconciled, like, eh, it just might not be in the cards for me. And I was all right with that because, again, like, I, I was going to be a pro wrestler and travel the world and, and do this for my job. 
Um, but when the opportunity opened itself up and everything played out as it did, I mean, it was amazing, right? It was, it was completely amazing. And yeah. uh, I don't think anybody, I don't think anybody when I walked in there said, oh, this guy will be at WrestleMania next year. Like, nobody, you know, yeah. including myself. So, so the way things kind of un- unraveled and, and with the eye injury and the commentary and that really being the thing that I think really catapulted me in some people's eyes and put me in that spot, um, I'm, I'm forever grateful for that. And I'll always, and I'll always uh, you know, have gratitude for, for that. And, and, again, that's why I like to say, at least on my end, like, hey, I, I, I understand how the corporate structure works. And sometimes, you know, uh, things don't work out. But for me, like, no burn bridges, right? Like, you know, if, if the situation was right on both ends, you know, I'd like to think that we could do business down the road. Yeah, yeah. The other thing that aligned at, at that time when you were coming into WWE was the creation of the, the Cruiserweight division uh, and all that. And, and now, whatever it's been, it's surplus later. Um, can, can you kind of, from, from your point of view, your perspective, look at it and, and kind of evaluate how it's gone? And, and some, you know, some things have not broken their way, obviously, most recently with losing their champion and, and you know, a lot of other things over, over the last. Um, do, you know, what's your take on it? Some people think it's already kind of a lost cause. Some people think it could be rebuilt or it's already it's doing pretty well for what it is. How do you kind of evaluate what they're doing there? Well, you know, and, and, and this is to a larger point and not specifically directed just, just at that product, but I think there's been this, um, there's been this perception that's been, and, and the perception's there for a reason because it's how it's been presented that if, if you're not a heavyweight, you're less than. Yeah. Right? Like if you're, if you're not the heavyweight champion, and listen, I've been a heavyweight champion before. I haven't been a heavyweight a day in my life. <laughs> so for me to have, to have weight, to have, to have weight, uh, definitions, right, but then to not actually use them is silly to me because, you know, if you look at some of the biggest box office or draws with UFC with boxing over the last, I don't know how many decades, how many times has it been the heavyweight? Conor McGregor's not a heavyweight. Boy, Mayweather's not a heavyweight. Those guys have been all right for themselves, but they've been presented as such because they're the talent. They're the personality. But yet in wrestling for all these years, if you're not the heavyweight, well, then you're less than. And so until that perception changes, because, listen, there's a lot more talented, charismatic middleweights, lightweights, cruiserweights, whatever you want to call them, than there are heavyweights at the end of the day. So, again, you're taking one vision from one place, and that's, and that's now permeated into the wrestling industry to where if you're not the heavyweight, you're less than. But as we're seeing, like, that's not the case. And I'm a guy right now in a position to say, hey, I'm very, very specific. It's not the Impact World Heavyweight Championship. It's not. It's the Impact World Championship. There's no weight. There's no weight limitations or restrictions on that because I'm not a heavyweight, and we're not doing weigh-ins. So until we so until we start doing that, then then why do I have a distinction? So, with that being said, it's all about presentation. And if you tell people it's less, it's not as important, or they're in their own bubble, or they don't get to hang out with the real superstars, uh, then that's going to be the perception of it, you know. And then also, the industry has changed to such to where guys that are 220 pounds, 230 pounds, 300 pounds are doing some of the very things that your, you know, cruiserweights would be doing. So the wrestling style is different. It's just a bigger guy doing it. So, so my thing is either we, we get rid of any weight restrictions and just if you're world-class, you're at the top of the card. Um, or if you're going to keep having these things with weight limits, then don't, then put them on an even, even playing field and then use that, have weigh-ins. Cause listen, I know there's a lot of guys that are under 205 right now that are considered main superstars and would be considered a big step down to go to 205. Well, then that's yeah. the problem right there. That, that is the issue. 
So it'll never succeed as long as you want to, as long as it's portrayed that way. So, I mean, that to me is, is that's, that's simple and that's easy. So no, nobody, uh, nobody in a position there could, could not understand that that's why it will never succeed or, or be looked at as anything other than kind of a side project. Yeah. Yeah. It, with that mentality, were, were you bothered? Uh, and, and as great an opportunity as it is that you touched on wrestling at WrestleMania in front of all those fans, were you bothered that you're put out there before the show even goes on the air, before everybody's in the building? Did, did you see that as kind of being set up to fail? So understand, like, not, not, not from a personal standpoint, right, so much, but from a guy who took it seriously saying, hey, like, we want to make this, we want to make this division something, we want to make it important, we want this to thrive, we want to build tour on its own, we want to build a merchandise. Um, I thought they missed a big opportunity to tell people, hey, this shit's important by putting it on the main card. Now, that being said, not everybody can be on the main card. And you had the Intercontinental Championship that was on, on, on the kickoff show. You know, I mean, so it wasn't just the 205 Live match, right? And so you have to understand that perspective, too. Listen, I, I, think, it, I think me and Neville both said, hey, this is, this is how it's going to be. So our job now is to make sure that we hype this up so that everybody's sitting in their seat ready for our match. And, and I think that that stadium was pretty full because there's a lot of people I talked to that said, now we made sure that we didn't want to miss your match. We were there early. Yeah. So, that, so that's the challenge that we took on and said, all right, then, then that's what we're going to do, you know, and we'll fill the stadium quicker, which means everybody's going to make more money because they'll be more by buying more merchandise sooner, more concessions sooner. So we'll do it that way, right? But I thought, and I thought from a company standpoint, that would have been a, a strong message to, to put that match in a, in a good spot on the, on the main card to, to really highlight what we've been doing because we've been, I think, working really hard to put together a good feud. And, 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 and as such, they put a lot of effort into allowing us that opportunity, right? I just felt that, again, um, that was a missed opportunity. So, so from that standpoint, yeah, there was disappointment in that. I wasn't personally upset or angry. Uh, of course, everybody wants to be in the main card. Shit, everybody wants to be in the main event. And if you're not a little upset you're not there, then, then, then you probably shouldn't be there, right? But but not there was no like real uh, animosity or anger right I mean it, right. listen that's just how it is um, but from a from a from a brand standpoint yeah I think it would have benefited immensely to put that and highlighted at that because I knew we were going to go out and do our part and if and if it would have been presented on, on a bigger in a bigger way I would have done a lot to help that brand moving forward yeah so, so you touched on the value of, of truly being uh, independent and I think that's something that wrestlers are discovering more and more. There have been some guys who have been sort of trailblazers, right? I mean, Cody Rhodes probably sort of the poster boy for that, um, going out on his own and becoming a bigger star outside of WWE than he ever was in WWE. And, uh, you know, now talking about single-handedly, essentially uh, uh, bankrolling the 10,000 uh, feet show next year. And there, there really is more of a thought now uh, that you can make it on your own. Um, is, is, how exciting is that uh, uh, for you? I mean, uh, uh, is it a better time than ever before to be on your own? Um, maybe even in particular, if you have some name recognition and, and some television recognition. Yeah, and I'm going I'm to I'm go back and say really the trailblazer for me was Colt Cabana. Okay. I mean, really, Colt Cabana started all this when he when you know when when he left WWE. Uh, when Scotty Goldman, you know, got, 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 uh, right. Um, so when he was told funny, don't make money, when he was told that, you know, he would never make it in the system, 
he was the guy to me who really wouldn't know Trailblazers. this. He started with his podcast. He started with the pro wrestling tea stuff. He started with his comedy and taken around and, and made himself a commodity outside of the machine. And, and so I really think he was the first, to me, he's kind of the godfather of this, right? Um, cause I remember talking to him about this before his first podcast and we we're really talking about it. Like, man, like, you can go out and do this, you know, you don't need that. You can go and he, and he has a vision for it. And he's worked his ass off. And uh, so kudos to him. And then, yeah, guys, guys like Cody Rhodes going out and doing the same thing. Um, you know, the Young Bucks, obviously, you know, Kenny Omega having a lot of success. Uh, and, and there's probably those guys I'm missing, right? Um, so, yeah, it, it's an awesome time right now. Like, I was really surprised when, you know, when word got out or whatever, uh, of, of WWE myself, parting ways, you know, my inbox was flooded, right? And it was with all, from all these places I didn't even know had wrestling. You know what I'm saying? Like all these countries and stuff. I'm like, really? Like, that's awesome. And I think that's also, um, you know, has a lot to do with technology, right? Like you don't need television. You don't need cable television to get your product out there. And, that, and, and you don't need radio to get your music out there. And you don't need... You know, you don't need an art gallery to get your, your art out there. Like, right, we all have the tools at our disposal. We all have the capability to get our artistic, artistic uh, you know, uh, skills out there, whatever they may be. So with wrestling, it's the same thing. And you have your streaming services. Defiance got their stuff on YouTube for free, so you can watch their shows and follow along. Like, there's a lot of ways to get out your content. And so that, to me, is why there's so much opportunity, because it's taken the globe and just blown it wide open. And now you're starting to see companies realize, well, hey, man, if we work together on this instead of fighting each other for this, you know, instead of fighting over crumbs, like, there's a big pie to be baked. We just all got to throw our ingredients in a little bit and, and work together. And, uh, and so, yeah, man, it's a cool time right now uh, in the independent pro wrestling scene. And, again, independence at the end of the day is one of the things that we fight for, right? Yeah. And uh, so to be able to have it and to be able to go do something you love, travel the world, Take a weekend off when your neck ain't feeling right. You need a little, need a little, you know, rest and re- relaxation so you don't run yourself in the ground physically or mentally. There's a lot of benefit to that. Yeah. And I'll, and, I, and, I'll, and I'll gladly exchange that for not having catering or for, you know, for, 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 you know, you know, and, and some financial security or some worldwide recognition or for whatever other people might value, fame and fortune, whatever it might be. That's cool. You know, yeah. Uh, there's a lot to be said for the other side of it. And I know that's hard for a lot of people to wrap their head around, but like, I think again, Hey, McDonald's has sold a billion hamburgers. They're the biggest, you know, they're the biggest fast food and hamburger joint in the world. And no matter what country and you can see McDonald's, they've got that imprint. Right. Um, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's the best. It doesn't mean it's for everybody. Yeah. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of smaller, uh, you know, food joints, you know, there's some gourmet chefs out there that maybe couldn't, could hack it on the front line of, of, of McDonald's flipping the burgers, but, uh, doesn't mean that they're any, le- any less happy or any less talented. Do you still do those? It's terrible like to do, but you still feel fired up, have those kind of, uh, competitive juices flowing, the motivation, because, uh, at this stage of your career, do as long as you have. And now, uh, having been to sort of the mountaintop and now back in the independence, um, what, what keeps you motivated to, to keep going? Um, see, I think the big thing is, uh, and, I, and I do feel uh, rejuvenated and motivated and fired up. Um, and I think, you know, a lot of that has to do with, for a while there, I wasn't allowed to go out and give out the best version of myself. You know, um, a lot of WWE fans never really got to saw 
that never saw, you know, all of Austin Aries, right? They saw bits and pieces or someone else's vision of it. Um, so I'm getting to go out there and enjoy creative aspect and then also, like, be able to be, be who I am, you know? And, uh, and, and there's, like, this amazing crop of young wrestlers now that are super talented and super motivated, and they're so skilled at all the social media stuff that I'm still trying to catch up on. And so to get in there with those guys and, and learn from them, kind of how the styles change a little bit and uh, all of it, man, like, it's cool. Like, it, it's, uh, it doesn't get mundane, right? It's always different. There's, it, there's a lot of different, uh, there's a lot of different, a lot of different characters and, and uh, places to go. And uh, I don't know, man. Yeah. All right, Austin, thank you so much, man. It's always a pleasure talking to you and hopefully we'll put together something uh, nice for the magazine. Cool, man. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Enjoy the rest okay. of your day. Thank you.